Welcome to the Key Hire podcast, uh, Key Hire show for small business. I am your host and creator of Key Hire, Corey Harlock. And today we uh, are going to, uh, our goal is to always help small business owners with uh, information they need that can make their business better. Today we want to focus on an area where uh, our specialty lives in the talent arena, the talent strategy and, and acquisition arena, and talk about the gut high, the, the gut feeling higher, or um, the know it, I'll know it when I see it higher, that uh, a lot of people are kind of, um, they utilize, they think it's their strategy, and we want to talk about kind of the pros and cons of the gut hire strategy, or the I'll know it when I see it strategy. So let's kick this off uh, with a, a couple thoughts. Um, 62% of small business owners say they have made a wrong hire. The other 38% of those business owners are liars. Uh, every Everyone is made a bad hire. It doesn't matter what company you are, what you do. Um, hiring, dealing with people is, is uncertain. There's no certainty to it. You never bat a thousand when we deal with people because there's so many variables. Things happen in people's lives. You could hire the right person, but something happens outside uh, of work and their personal life that affects performance or their, their availability or whatever it could be. There's so many variables here, we never get it right. So the, op the idea of hiring is we always want to play the probabilities. We want to increase, do whatever we can to increase the probability of getting the hire right. And hiring on gut feel and using the philosophy, I'll know it when I see it, uh, minimizes the probability of, of getting the hire right. And why is it important to get the hire right? What, what is it? And I think we all know, but um, it's it can be any number of things, right? It can affect uh, a big part of your business. 78% of employees surveyed said bringing the wrong person into the organization can uh, affect their dedication to your organization, meaning good employees become average or quiet quitters or whatever term you want to use or stop caring because you put the wrong person in their environment. 78% of people, that's a big number. 80% of your turnover is because of wrong hires, putting the wrong person into your environment, 80%. And the cost, I mean, if we put the cost to that, uh, depending on who you uh, follow and what stats you look at, I'm a Brad Smart fan, um, and Brad Smart kind of estimates on average, the cost of a bad hire is about five times that person's annual salary. And there's a lot of factors in there. Uh, people quitting, that's a huge cost. Uh, could be lost business, it could be missed up sales, it could be any number of, of things, your time and commitment to kind of fighting fires and having conversations and doing corrective action and um, putting them on a performance enhancement plan, uh, whatever it could be, right? Um, so hiring the wrong people stops your business from moving forward and just really internally, uh, causes a lot of damage. And I want to explain a bit of the psychology around that. Um, uh, Eben Pagan kind of had a, has a really simple definition for 
uh, hires and he breaks them into ABCs, right? Now, I'm not a big fan of it. It's pretty general, but it, it works for this, for this example. So an A player is someone who, um, if you give them a task, they either get it done on time or early to the standard or above. Things get in the way, they overcome, right? So if they don't know what to do, they're going to knock on your door and say, hey, I just ran into a little hurdle here. Can you give me some clarity? I just want to make sure I get this done on time. A B player is someone who will get the task done on time or a little late to the standard or a little lower. So they're the type of person who, if they run into a roadblock and you say, hey, did you get this done? And they say, oh, no, I don't quite have it done yet. Um, I didn't know how to do X. And you say, oh, okay, well, just do this and this, and that should work. And they say, great, they take it away. So they kind of lack that proactive approach, right? That problem-solving muscle. A C player is what he calls a black box builder. And basically their only job is job preservation, which means if they're your accountant um, and you go to them and say, how do you do your job? They pull out an abacus and you say, why do we use an abacus? Why don't we use Excel? And they say, oh no, Excel doesn't work with this company. We need to use the abacus. And you say, okay, well explain how, do you, how you do your job. Walk me through this. And they talk you in circles to the point where you say, thank God you're here because I have no idea what you do. That's a C player. And if you start getting in their business, uh, they all of a sudden there will be fires will start all over your business. Did you know about this? Did you know about that? Anything to take the heat off themselves. So why is this important? It's important because you need to understand this. The only people in that business that that their performance will improve or uh, go down are the B players. So if you build an environment of A players. B players will raise their game and C players will get out of town because that's a culture of accountability, of problem solving, of getting things done. And C players hate that because they can't hide in a culture of accountability. Now, if you have more C players and A players, your B players, their performance will go down and your A players will get out of town because they can't stand working in a culture where there's finger pointing and people aren't doing their job and there's blame passed and all that good stuff. So um, we always want to try to create a cult, uh, culture and hire people that are gonna raise our company up, raise our productivity, raise our performance, our quality, our OTDs, whatever, whatever it is. But it's important to know those Bs can be influenced. Let me ask a question. How many, has it ever happened to you as a business owner where you have been in a really busy period and you have an obvious problem employee, a leader, an employee, whatever it is, people are complaining, you know you have a problem, but you say to yourself, I'm just gonna ride this out because I really need this person here to get through this busy time. Then when things slow down and you're getting ready to address that problem, someone comes and hands you the resignation and says, I'm giving you my two weeks. And was that person one of your A players? Keeping C players, players in your business means watching A players leave. 
and I'll put my hand up. That's happened to me when I used to run restaurants back in the day, just got to get through this. And as soon as you get through, you're like, okay, I'm going to deal with this problem. Then your best people leave. And guess what? Now that person, that toxic person who's um, causing chaos in your business becomes more valuable because they're the ones who will show up every day now, but you can't build a great team because now you're building a C player, your B's are lowering and things get hard. That is the result of not having the right process and procedure, a talent uh, acquisition and hiring process in place. So gut hires, the problem with hiring on gut feel, right? Why you need to stop. Um, why you need to stop doing the I'll know it when I see it higher is this. There are two reasons. The first one is it's riddled with bias. If I'm in a good mood today and in walks a candidate who I immediately like for whatever reason, I might give them really easy questions. If they stumble, I might help them get to the answer so I can walk out of the room and say, wow, they really knew how to answer all my questions. They had all the right answers. If I'm in a bad mood and you walk in the room and for whatever reason, I think, meh, um, I might start asking you really hard questions and not helping you. Then I can walk out of the room and say, well, they couldn't answer the basic questions. There's no way we can hire them. There are a million other biases that we can talk about, but that's kind of an easy, simple summary. The second reason we need to have a defined process and procedure around hiring, uh, interviewing and hiring, is we have to create a baseline. How can you know what you're hiring against if you've never created the baseline? When people come in um, and we're asking them the same, have the same people asking the same questions in the same order, and we start to understand the people that are included in the process, start to understand what a good answer sounds like, what or what the, the answer that, that best fits your culture and your business sounds like. They start to understand what answer might not be there. Um, they start to understand how to ask questions two and three layers deep to get down to the bottom of things. When you include the, right, the same people over and over and give them the same tasks, uh, you create a baseline for what good looks like and also what, what bad looks like for your company. Now I wanna clarify, what's bad for your company might be right for another company, right? There's, there is a job out there for everyone and there is someone for every job out there. Our job in the hiring process and interviewing process is to vet that and make sure uh, our job is right for the person and the candidate is right for our job. So how do we do that? Well, we, we have a process at Key Hire and it's called Hiring in the Key of C. And one of those C's, and I'll talk a little bit more about that here in a bit, but one of those C's is we need to make sure that when we're running our process, we are using um, one of the C's that we want to use is the correct process. And when we talk about using the correct process, we talk about um, being efficient and exhaustive all at the same time. Another C we talk about is being consistent. And what we talk about when we, what we mean when we talk about being consistent is this. We wanna have the same people ask the same questions in the same order. And why do we wanna do that? 
Well, inter introducing new people into the process. So if, if I interview a candidate and I have can uh, leader A also interview the candidate, then I interview a second candidate, but I have leader B interview the second candidate. When we sit at the table, A and B don't have a point of reference. There's no baseline. They don't know what they're, well, I like them for this. Well, I like them for this. They probably haven't asked the same questions. They're probably not talking about the same things. They're not measuring the same information. So when we talk about a consistent process, we mean always including the same people in your process, right? We want to run the process. Another point uh, I want to clarify here is we talk about being uh, exhaustive but efficient. Every step of your process has to be a go, no-go. If you get to the end when you bring someone into your business and you've spent two hours with them, there's no way you should be saying, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe we need to talk to someone else. In this environment, that doesn't exist. Um, talking to someone else it, uh, is hard, right? So it's going to limit the, the speed by which you can fill that role. It's also going to limit the quality by which you're going to be able to fill that role if you're not being exhaustive and efficient, right? So if you have four steps in your process, after each step, you should be saying, is this the right person or not? Did they meet the criteria of step one? They did. They go to step two. They did not. Thank you for your time. You have really good experience. I just don't think it's the right experience for what we're looking for. So then we move into the consistent piece. The same people asking the same questions in the same order. It removes bias and creates a baseline. If I, the business owner, know exactly what areas I'm going to focus on with a candidate, and I ask every candidate the same questions, I can measure those answers against each other. If I'm going to include others in the process, I want them to know exactly what questions they're asking. And a way you can do that is if I'm hiring an operations manager and I want my director of sales to talk to them, your director of sales should not be sitting down with that individual saying, so tell me about yourself. That's been done, right? If, if they're at this part of the process, we have beat that horse to death. Um, that sales manager should be asking questions that directly relate to their relationship. So a sales manager, a question they might want to ask is, one of the challenges we have in this company right now is we put our sales order in and it takes a while for operations to process it and they're missing deadlines. They don't have the right um, materials on hand or we have a back order, whatever it is, and we're missing our on-time deliveries. Have you experienced that in the past and how did you resolve that issue? That would be a great question for a director of sales to ask, not tell me about yourself. Your director of sales is not there to, to learn about uh, and do an initial interview. They're there to understand, can I work with this person? How will we work? And will they be able to, will they be able to um, remove my constraints that I'm facing in, in regard to getting my job done? So that's kind of the consistent part of the process. The same people asking the same questions in the same order. That way we can remove the, the bias, create a baseline, and, and get ourselves set up. Just a, a quick note to that. 
the key hire process, key hire has been in existence now for jumping, I think about seven years, which is incredible. And my pre-screen that I do with every person I talk to is exactly the same and has been for seven years. It doesn't vary. We create a custom uh, interview guide for each role that we work on with our clients based on the diligence we do in the company. And they all, the, the, the information I'm asking for might be different, but the format of that 15 minute pre-screen I do is exactly the same every time. Why? Because I don't wanna be biased and I wanna create a baseline for the role. So the more people I talk to, I start saying, oh, okay, this is this is what good sounds like. Okay, well, now this is what good sounds like. This person is, so I always have something to measure against. If I just go out there and start having conversations, I can't come back and quantify um, the information that I've gathered. And, and the second interview I do with them is exactly the same. It's, it's the same format over and over and over again because I don't want my bias to influence um, what's happening in the business. My job is to make sure the business owner is getting the right person in that business uh, based on the information I'm, I'm able to uncover and how I'm able to represent them in the market. So I think that covers hiring on gut feel and that I know it when I see it. I mean, gut feel is just a way of saying, don't have time, don't know how to create a process. So I'm just going to go in and wing it. And uh, if I like them, I'll hire them. If I don't, I won't. But I won't know why I like them. And I'll, I'll know why I like them. But I don't know why I don't like them. But uh, and I know it when I see it is I haven't done the time to really dive in and do the work around the exact skill set I need. So I'll just talk to people. And when I start hearing things I like, that means I'm seeing what I want. It's a risky way to go. Um, you know, gut, gut feel hires based on what information you're reading, the success rate is anywhere from 25 to 50%. I don't know how they're measuring uh, success, but uh, I would argue it's closer to 25%. So that's one in four. Um, using a defined process like the key hire process, I can tell you we are over 90% successful with the process we use. And I'm sure you would want to be 90% successful. So I'll wrap it up there. I will follow, follow it up. And it might be a good time, Matt, for me to throw this in here now. If you want to learn how to create a really super effective process, you can download our ebook that will walk you through the hiring in the Kia C on our website. We're giving it away. Uh, you can go down and down, you can download that ebook. It's a hefty ebook. There's a ton of information there. But I promise you, if you put the work in up front, your hiring process will become efficient. It will become exhaustive. You will improve your hiring accuracy. You'll hire more A and B players, fewer C players, and you'll see your business rise. You'll see your productivity go up. You'll see your revenues go up. You'll see your efficiency go up. You'll see um, all the right, the metrics, you whatever you measure will go in the right direction. So that is hiring on gut feel. Matt, what do we have? Do we have any questions out there? And by the way, if anyone watching right now has any questions, drop them in the uh, comment box. We're happy to answer them. We love taking questions. I think we have a few already. What are some interviewing red flags? Um, rescheduling is one. <laughs> Re work, recently worked with a candidate who uh, has re 
His first interview, he rescheduled. His second interview, he rescheduled. Then he rescheduled the reschedule. Oh, that's a bit of a red flag. Um, but also, you know, people that come in and speak in generalities, uh, there, there is a way to get down and, and find the truth, right? If you want to know if someone is being honest about their experience and what they've done, look for details. When people are trying to give you, tell you what you want to hear, they generally speak in vague, uh, it's very vague, and they speak in generalities. And if you ask them to get real specific, they'll stay in the generalities. So make sure you're diving in and looking for specifics uh, when interviewing. Um, you really just, you need to chat with people and, and don't just listen, don't trust the first answer, right? Trust, but verify. So the first, the first question should always just be a setup. Hey, do you have this experience or tell me about your experience with X? They're going to give you all kinds of good stuff. And then you should go in a little deeper. Hey, you said you did this, you know, you put this process in, in place. How did you measure that? You know, how do you know it was successful? How were you measuring it? Oh, well, we just knew it was successful. Okay. Well, maybe that didn't happen, but if they say, Oh, well, we put this process in, in place and we saw our productivity go up 3%. We were measuring it by the time it took to do the task. And we're able to do, you know, uh, that repetitive task 20 times in an eight hour period versus 19 times previously. And that correlates to X amount of revenue. That's someone who's putting a process in and understands how to measure it. What else do we have, Matt? I've always hired uh, uh, based on feelings was the benefit of implementing a process. So we, we put, uh, that's kind of what I've just really been talking about, but the, the process is there to maximize the probabilities of success. Understand um, you're never going to get it right. It's never going to be, you're never going to hire at a hundred percent. Hey, thanks, John. I appreciate it. Glad you had time to join us here today. Uh, John just said, Hey, thanks, Corey. Good information. Um, so, but I lost my train of thought now, uh, we want to create that baseline and we want to understand why we're asking questions and how we're measuring those answers. Um, and it improves the probability of your hiring. So we're talking about, you know, we're dealing in probabilities. You never get it hundred percent. So, um, I often tell my business owners this. Hiring is not, you know, people think if I can just hire this director of sales, my everything will be solved. And that's just not the case. Um, we're not trying to hit a home run when we deal with talent and, and putting the strategy together. We're trying to deal with four singles. Uh, that's how we score the run, right? So we got to make sure we get put the person through the right process to maximize the probability of success. Once they're there, you know, we want to put them in the right seat. We want to give them the right resources. We want to give them the time and the follow-up and all that good stuff so they can be successful. But the ROI on a good hire is never immediate. It's going to take someone a little time, no matter how good they are, how overqualified they are, how well-suited they are to the job, how many industry contacts they have, all of that stuff. It takes people time to get ramped up. Uh, hiring people that are very qualified or have the exact experience you want. Um, you're going to pay more for those people, but the impact should be more immediate. 
if you're paying at the lower end of the scale, you know, we always say um, that you're hiring someone for the future, right? Uh, you're hiring them for what they can do down the road because they don't have the experience you need today. Uh, those people are going to take longer to ramp up. You're going to pay them less, but the ROI on them is long tail, right? We're 12, 18, 24 months out before they truly get up to speed. Now, there are the odd unicorns out there who someone with without the experience um, that you're going to hire on potential that comes in and gets ramped up really fast. And the mistake I see a lot of business owners make is that's what they hang their hat on. Well, I hired this one person who didn't have any experience and they turned out to be our best employee. That's a rarity. And that shouldn't be the goal. Like we're just going to take flyers on people here. We're going to hire a bunch of people on potential and just hope one of them locks in and gets it done. Um, so understanding the process you're using, understand if you're hiring for experience or potential, understanding exactly what skills and requirements you have, looking at what is, what is your talent equity in the building? What are your experience gaps in the building? What are the constraints to, to the performance in this particular department? Understanding all those good things, creating a role or a profile around that, creating an guide based on the needs of the company, and then putting a, a an acquisition strategy together that targets those people and then interviewing them to get the information you need to remove your bias and create a baseline will maximize the probability of you getting the right person. The sound, I know you're probably thinking, man, I don't have time to do all that, but you don't have time to hire by gut feel and just keep replacing people with bad people, right? Like if the success rate on gut feel is 25%, that means you got to hire four times for that role to get the right person. That takes a lot more time than putting the process. Once you put the process in place, I'm outlining, it's evergreen and you're you're ready to rock. Do we have anything else, Matt? Should I interview in a case one-on-one or with multiple team members? Awesome. So this is, this is another key element of the consistency, right? Same people ask the same questions in the same order. You don't need to include other people. Some people want to, some people don't. I, I don't know that there's a right way and it probably depends on the role and who they're going to report to. Um, but if you're having a, one of your um, department heads interview and you as a business owner say, I'd like to be involved in that at one point, you know, that makes sense. Here's the key thing to remember. If you're going to include people in the interview process, only ever include your best people. No Bs, no Cs, only As. And there's a reason for that. If you put in a C and you're interviewing an A talent, the C will only try to do one of two things in this interview process. They will A, sabotage the process. And I've seen it happen where we had a candidate we wanted to hire. At the last minute, the business owner threw someone into the process. And that individual came out of the process out of the interview with this person we wanted to hire and made a claim about the individual that made it impossible for us to hire them because this person was going to report to that person we wanted to hire. And they were very aware that it was, this person was coming in to make people accountable. The second thing they'll try to do is scare people off. You'll hear things like, well, I hope you like working 60 hours a week. We work weekends here. You're always working. 
This place is a nightmare. No one knows what they're doing. That's what that's what your bad employees will say to a good good person you're trying to hire, and they'll try to scare them off. And if it's a C player, their input doesn't matter, right? So the other thing to consider is with this, including the individuals in the interview process, if you want to hire the individual and they say, I don't think you should, are you going to hire them anyway? And if the answer is yes, I'll hire them anyway, then you're doing more damage by including them in the process than not. And I'll share another example with you. I was speak, uh, working with a manager, a departmental manager, and they were bringing in a specialized talent. And he said, hey, I want this other, their coworker to be included in the process. I said, okay, um, why? And they said, well, I, I want to hear, get their feedback. And I said, okay, if you really like the person and they don't, are you still going to hire the person? And they said, yeah, of course. And I said, then why are you putting them in there? Because their input, that you're, you're trying to make them feel valuable, like they're part of the process. But there's an element where you could then say, well, I don't care what you think. I'm doing it anyway. Thanks for coming out. Now you have someone who is disgruntled or upset or you've kind of stolen their motivation or you've upset them. And maybe now they think, well, maybe this isn't the place I thought it was. Where if you just left them out from the beginning, everything would be fine. So if you're going to include people in your interview process, A, make it very clear what they're in what they're going to talk to the candidate for uh and you know we i go room to room with the candidate and and the people involved in the process and i brief them before right so <clears throat> here's what you need to be talking to them about don't ask them to review the resume don't get off track don't talk about anything that doesn't pertain to you we've covered all that that's been done i just want you to talk to them about your how you will interact with them in the business so make sure they know what they're talking about only include your best people and make sure they're asking the same questions in the same order, right? Have the same people ask the same questions in the same order. So if they talk to, if, if you can generate two or three candidates for a role in this market, congratulations. But if you do, at least when you sit at the table, everyone has a baseline from which to work with. I asked all three of them, all of the candidates, these same questions, Here's the person I felt gave me the best answers and would be the best um, suited for the role, right? So we're minimizing that bias, creating a baseline and putting together a, a professional and, and high experience, high skill candidates appreciate a professional process. Um, a big reason people leave the process is that they just didn't feel it was it was too slow and it was, wasn't professional enough. They feel like they're just spinning their wheels or going in answering the same questions over and over. And um, that will cause them to say, you know, I, I kind of don't need this right now. I'm getting other offers or I'm in a job that's not so bad. Something else will come along. So I'm just going to pull myself out. So I think that is it. That's our third question of the day. I want to thank everyone for their time. Uh, you can check us out on LinkedIn on our uh, key hire page. Make sure you follow that page to get any uh, updates that we put out a couple times a week. You can download our, uh, we have our podcast now out on Spotify, or you can uh, listen to our podcast on all major streaming outlets, such as uh, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, all that cool stuff. Uh, you can download our ebook off the website and build your own super duper awesome and effective talent uh, hiring and acquisition strategy. And I strongly recommend you do that. 
And uh, you can schedule, if you have any questions about what we talked about today, or you have something pressing in your business you want to talk about, you can schedule a free consultation with us. We're happy to help. That's kind of the key hire uh, credo. We're here to help small business owners. So until uh, we'll, we'll talk to you in two weeks from now, thanks for joining us. Uh, can't wait to see you in two weeks on the Key Hire podcast for small businesses.